thing that you can do in these moments is take a selfie. So I think what we need to do this morning is take a selfie. Is that okay? Yeah? Come on, is that okay? Yeah? Take a selfie, right? Let me switch this thing around. Get ready. Come on. Let's put some hands up in the air. We'll send this across to the guys. Come on. That's good. That'll be on social media later. See if you can find yourself. How are we doing? We good? Come on. We doing okay? Yes, it's good to make noise in church. It's okay to be happy and be in church. You know, if you watch Homer Simpson, all he does in church is listen to the sports, but we are here to, to listen about Jesus, aren't we? Yeah? Yeah? So we're in this great series called Simplify. And our key verse is found in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says this. i tell you what, let's do this. Let's read it together. Is that all right? One, two, three. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What it's not talking about is the organ that pumps blood around our body. It's talking about our inmost being. It's talking about our soul. It's talking about who we are. And at times, we're so loose with what we let into us what we let into our lives, whether it be the people that surround us, whether it be things that we watch, we're so loose. And what can happen as a result of that, our lives become complicated and bad things begin to flow from our lives. I don't know about you, but I want a healthy heart. I want a healthy life and I want healthy things to flow from me. Anyone else? This morning, we're going to continue with this series, as I said, and I'm going to be speaking ongoing from isolated to connected from isolated to connected, the whole idea of friendship. Now, who watched the TV show Friends, the famous TV show Friends? Just show of hands, come on, shut your hands up if you saw it. Yes, okay, it kind of spans generations looking around. What a TV show Friends was, amazing. Uh, This TV show, it went over 10 years from start to finish. I think it was 93 to, to 2003, and it's been about 15 years since the TV show finished, and we're still talking about it, people still watch it. This TV show really impacted people's lives. And when I started to think about it, I, I started to think, what, why is that? Because it wasn't particularly like big budget TV show. It was just a few rooms, really, people around. It wasn't an all-star cast at the start. A lot of you guys know, knew who watch, watched it from the start. It was just pretty much some not well-known actors who they put together and became really famous because of the success. I think the reason we bought into it, the reason it's one of the most popular series ever, is because we resonated with the characters. We resonated with the people in it, didn't we? For example, Andy Richardson, I don't know where he is. I think he saw himself as a bit of a Joey. How you doing? You know, looking in the, looking in the mirror. I've seen him checking himself out. Now, oh, here he is. We used to say my mum, we used to say my mum was Monica. Because, like, Monica, like, she was really happy when she was tidying or organising and cleaning. That was, like, the best time of the week. And that's like my mum. She was like, she's like that. If she can put something in a Tupperware, that is, like, the epitome of living life. It's the biggest thing. Or my mate Kev, for example, a bit like Phoebe, how she runs. <laughs> if you've seen Phoebe's run, you'll know what I'm talking about. I only pull my mate's... Like there. 
But we bought into it, these characters, different backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, and they came together in this amazing group and formed this phenomenal friendship. See, I think this resonated with us and we looked on screen and we said, yeah, I want that. I need that. Centered around that coffee shop, centered around home, centered around knowing each other. And it wasn't all good stuff they went through. They went through bad times. They went through good times. They went through loss. They went through lack. They went through times of plenty. They went through divorce, through horrible things. And we bought into these stories and these relationships because this friendship throughout all of it stuck together. We resonated with it. See, as humans, we are born for connection. We're born for relationship. See, we're relational beings who are born for companionship. In Genesis 2, God says right at the start of the Bible, it's not good for man to be alone. See, even though we crave companionship at times, we can isolate ourselves because of stuff that's happened in the past. Maybe for you, it's the hurt that's happened in your life. You've shut people out. You've shut people away. You've put yourself in a dark corner and you've literally walled your heart to let no one else in ever again because of what's happened. Maybe it was the hurt caused by a a mum or a dad, a husband, a wife, a friend. You let them in and they cause you hurt that can't be described. Maybe it's embarrassment. Maybe you can't imagine anyone wanting to know you, wanting to get to know you, wanting to live life with you. Maybe you've isolated yourself because of disappointment, because people have let you down. Maybe it's because of bitterness and you can't open up to friendship. See, this morning, I'm not going to be able to speak into some of those issues, that the reason why we become isolated. But Christian, a couple of weeks ago, spoke on going from wounded to whole. And I'd encourage you to go to that message, take a listen, and then maybe come back to some of the stuff we're going to speak about this morning. Because I believe that if we want to enter into great friendship, first we need to get ourselves whole so that we can enter into those friendships. Is that all right? Bring me an isolated person and I'll show you someone who is sad, lonely, and bitter. See, we're facing an isolation epidemic in our culture. We have never had more followers, more likes, more double clicks, more friend requests, and less true friends. Studies show that social media is leading to people having hundreds and thousands of connections and no meaningful relationships. See, it's not rare these days to go out or be around, be around people and see that the whole group is on the phone instead of engaging the, on the phone in the device. And this is something that my generation especially struggle with. That's not how we build relationship. See, true friendship, true relationship requires authenticity. And let me tell you this morning on the social media thing, there is no authenticity in social media. It's your highlight reel. You, always, you want to make yourself look the best. You're not going to put your worst day on, your worst photo on. Oh, feeling awful this morning. <laughs> look how bad I look today. Some people do, but they don't know they're doing that. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) See, we weren't made for connectivity. We were made for connection. We weren't made for connectivity to the internet. We were born for connection to people. We were born for connection. That one-on-one. The definition of friendship is this. It's to know and be known. Friendship is to know and be known. 
that person who knows your successes, they know your failures, they know your strengths, they know your weaknesses, they know how you're doing before you even say a word. See, true friend goes deep. It requires depth. It requires getting to know someone. And you know what, guys? And I'm talking to the men this morning. Sometimes we're not too good at this. We struggle, we put our walls up because we don't, you know, we think it's airy-fairy, you know, to talk about our feelings and to go deep with guys. But listen, man, we need it too. We need this friendship too. We need to go deep with some guys and some people around us who will love us and call us to more. We need it. Proverbs 17, verse 17. I absolutely love this verse. says this. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. I love that. You see, true friends, they call us to more. True friends lift us up when we're down. True friends have our back. True friendship, it costs something. You see, I don't want friends who are around me in the good times and then when things start to go bad, I look around and there's no one there. I want brothers who are going to be standing with me when I'm walking through the fire, when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting. They're not going to run away. They're going to be stood right there with me. You see, this is not, when it talks about a brother, it's not talking about an actual brother, someone in your family. It's talking about a deeper level of friendship. A brother is born for adversity. I want people who are going to stand by me. I want people who are going to stand with me. I want people who are going to love me in my weakness, love me in my failure and walk right beside me. Anyone else? A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. The Bible is full of friends doing amazing things. What about Moses and Aaron? Saw God do something amazing in their weakness. Moses came to God. God says, Moses, I need you to go and, and tell Pharaoh that he needs to let my people go. Moses said, look, I can't even speak. How am I supposed to do that? He said, look, I'm going to bring you a friend, Aaron. Saw God do amazing things through the weakness. What about Joshua and Caleb? They were of the same heart. Moses sent them out to spy out the promised land that God had given them. And ten, 12 spies went out altogether. 10 came back and said, look, we're like ants compared to these guys. We're, we're never, ever going to be able to take this land. It's too tough. The, the men are too strong. We've got no chance. Joshua and Caleb stood there together and said, you know what, Moses? We can do this. We can take this land. If God's called us to it, we can do it. And because of that, it says in the Bible, it accounts that the Israelites wanted to kill them. Because they were so scared of these people. But what did Joshua and Caleb do, do? They stood there together because a brother is born for a time of adversity. What about David and Jonathan? 1 Samuel 18, it says that their souls were knitted together. That's a depth of friendship. Jesus understood this so well, obviously. When he sent the disciples out, He didn't send them one by one. You see, sending them one by one would have made more sense. It would have made more sense to send them out one by one and they cover more ground, see more people. But what did Jesus do? He sent them out in pairs, didn't he? Sent them out in couples, in friendship groups because he realised that two are far more effective than one on their own. He realised that when they have a bit of a bad day in ministry, when people come against them, that actually they're going to lift each other up. They're going to build each other up. They're going to push each other forward. See, this is what friendship is. This is what friendship does. And Jesus in his own life, he modelled an amazing, well, he had an amazing model of friendship, if we look at it. And this is these beautiful circles that Eleanor's drawn for me. I was going to um, 
freehand it, but I thought, no, they'd look more like squares probably if I did that. But Jesus had different levels of friendship. And if you've never thought about it like this before, it'll be really interesting for you to think about it like this. And Jesus had the 72. It says in, um, in Luke 10 that Jesus had the 72, the 72 disciples. Oh, that pen doesn't work. Let's try this one. The 72. See, these were people that Jesus, he knew the names. He had some form of relationship. He might have hung around with them from time to time. He might have known them, but there was no real depth of relationship. This is what we call the outer the outer circle. This is Jesus' outer circle of friendship. In your life, is there another pen? Thanks. In your life, these might be the people you see at work. These might be the people you pass by in your day-to-day life. You know them. This might be people in church that you come in on a Sunday morning, you say hi to and all that stuff, but then you go away and you live your life. And that's cool. That's an outer circle. Then Jesus went even deeper. He had the 12, the 12 apostles, yeah, the 12 disciples. And this is what I call the inner circle. I'll leave that for the time being. Jesus had the inner circle. You see, where there wasn't any depth with the 72, with the 12, there was a depth. These 12, Jesus spent his life with, Jesus loved, Jesus lived with, Jesus opened up his life to these people. They knew each other. They did life together. They were like, you know, Joey, Monica, Chandra on Friends. That's what these guys were like. They lived life together. I want to ask this morning, who are your 12? Who are the 12 people closest to you? Thanks, Eleanor. Who are the 12 people closest to you? Who are your inner circle? Inner circle. But in that 12, Jesus went even deeper because he had the three, didn't he? Peter, James, and John. Took them up to the Mount of Transfiguration, picked them out of the 12. I bet some of the 12 might have been a bit angry about that, actually. Picked them out of the 12, but there was a... Where there was a depth with the 12, the three went even deeper. I believe there was nothing hidden. I believe everything was open. I believe there was a complete vulnerability and a complete love for each other that actually built the base of amazing strength for these people. John, in his writing, he describes himself as the one that Jesus loved. I love that because he's in his own writing and he doesn't say, I'm the one Jesus loved. He said, and this was the disciple Jesus loved in his own writing. (laughs) That's quite funny. Yeah, guys, I'm the one Christian loves. (laughs) (laughs) Joking. This is the center circle. This is the center circle. This is the ultimate depth of friendship. I want to ask, how healthy do your friendship circles look? Do you have the 72? See, I'd say the 72 needs to be a place where you have all sorts of people. You have people who know Jesus, people who don't know Jesus, people who are doing well, people who you can help, people who you can have an influence on. (laughs) Then the 12, the inner circle. Has your 12, who is your inner circle? The people you spend the most time with. See, I'd suggest that these need to be people who are going to be a great influence on you. People who are going to help you. People who are going to push you forward. People who are going to have you back. And have you got a center circle? Who are your three? People you can tell anything, anything to. People you can be completely open and vulnerable with. 
Our closest companions have great influence over our lives. This can be good or bad. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. 1 Corinthians 15 33 says this, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You can be the best person in the world, but listen, if you surround yourself with idiots, you'll become an idiot. It just is what it is. Don't we do this with, you know, my, my parents, my grandparents used to say this to me, make sure you're hanging around in the, around in the right, right crowd. We say it to our kids, don't we? We say it to, to, uh, to those people around us, but are we doing this as adults? Have we got good people around us? Jim Rohn is a secular leadership speaker and he says a similar thing to the Bible. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Whew. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Start thinking about those five people you're closest to. I heard it said another way. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. See, I believe that that inner circle, our inner circle and center circle have incredible influence over our lives. It's irrefutable that they have, they have huge sway in how we live and where we go in our lives. So what we have to do is this. We have to evaluate those friendships. We have to evaluate our friendships. We have to look. See, even the most influential fall foul to this. We are, we are born really to be influenced by those closest to us. If you want to grow, if you want to flourish, if you want to see God do something great in your life, then I'd encourage you to get the right people around you. See, I don't want people around me who are liars, who are jealous, who are divisive, who are gossipers, who are troublemakers, who are hateful. Because number one, they're really hard people to trust. But number two, I become like them. I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to be hateful. And what happens is when we're around those people, our character goes down. We complicate our lives. We're talking about simplify. We complicate our lives because we get in a mess from being around bad people and the wrong people. But we want friends and I want friends who are encouragers. I want friends who are honest. I want friends who are loving, who are patient, who are full of hope, who are going to call me to more, who think bigger and push me forward. See, these kind of friends, when I'm around these people, I grow. I become, I become better. I become a better husband. I become a better dad. I become a better leader. My character develops when I get around the right people. The traits of those closest to us rub off. What's your group like? What's your group like? We understand that no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. If you are, then you're a liar. If you say you are, you're a liar. <laughs> but what we're talking about here is traits that keep coming back again and again. And I don't want to be around those people. I don't want those people in my inner and center circle because there they have incredible influence over me. See, I started to think and look, about, look at my group in this. Look at the people around me. Look at my inner circle. Look at my center circle. And I've just started to evaluate it. And I, I just, I, I've got an amazing inner circle and center circle. And every single person in my inner circle is serving God in some capacity. I call that. They, 
you know, when we get together, we, we talk about church, we talk about God, not in a super spiritual way, but just in, a, in an overflow, you know? Sure, we have fun, we do silly things, we do stupid things, we do crazy things at times, but there's an alignment. And also, something really practical and something that, as I was preparing there, I only thought about, five, five of the people in our group have actually got their own businesses as well. No one's like millionaires, no one's, you know, driving the Ferrari to church, but there's like an entrepreneurial spirit. That's funny, isn't it? And I think that's because, and I believe that's because something's rubbed off on us as we've been together, as things have, have kind of stewed when we're together, when we speak in the same language, something's happened and we've rubbed off on each other. Has that happened to you? Has that happened in your group? See, when we evaluate our friendships, we have to do a few things. First of all, we have to prune our friendships. Prune our friendships. My grandpa, is sat a few rows back and he's got this plum tree in his garden, my favourite tree in his house. If you've been there, you'd see the plum tree. It's in the front, front garden. I love this tree. Like 10, 15 years ago, I got to my grandpa's house and he's there with the shears absolutely going at my favourite tree. I'm like, what is grandpa doing? He's like, he's ruining the tree, my favourite tree. There's going to be no plums. And what I realised down the line and what I realised further on is this, that grandpa wasn't ruining the tree. He actually wanted more fruit from the tree. So what he had to do is cut the unhealthy bits off so that growth could happen. And that, that tree to this day is incredibly fruitful. It's the same in our lives. It's the same in our lives. We have to prune the unhealthy bits of our life, even though it's painful, so that there can be room for growth. A few questions to ask around pruning our friendships. Are you growing from the friendship? Are you growing? Are you moving forward? Are you better than you were a few years ago? Are you better for being in that company? Are you, are you more fruitful? Or are you regressing? Is your character getting worse? Are you, are you going backwards? Have you forgot your dreams? Maybe a sign that we're not growing from the friendship. Secondly, are we aligned? I've found in my life that alignment is incredibly important whether it be on team or, or in our friendships. Because if I'm going this way and someone I want to be close to me is going this way, we have a problem. Because forever we're going separate ways, so we're going to be butting heads. And, it do, and listen to this. It doesn't mean this way is right and this way is wrong. It just means there's two different ways. And that's cool. But I need people in my life and we need people in our lives who are aligned, who are going in the same way. This doesn't mean we agree on everything, but it means we're walking in the same way. Are you aligned? A lot of people, I think, in church struggle with this thing of alignment in the friendship, in the inner circle. And when I've spoke to a lot of guys who come to me and say, Josh, I'm, look, I, I'm living two lives. On, on Sunday, like, I, I just want to follow Jesus. And when I'm on my own, I, I want to follow Jesus and want to know him. But to be honest, when I get around this group, when I get around this friendship group, when we go to that party, when I go to that club, when I do this, do that, I, I live a completely different life. See, I, I'd say that that is the power of disalignment. That's not even a word. No alignment. No alignment. One way or the other. You see... If you've got someone in your inner circle who wants to go that way, they're going to try and take you that way and you're going to try and take them that way and it's just not going to work. Now, that specific thing that I spoke about them 
if you keep messing up when you're around that certain set of friends, what I say to our guys is this, I ask this question because a lot of the time they'll go, yeah, but Josh, I don't want to cut the friendship off because I want to be an influence. I want them to know Jesus. That's cool. Sometimes that's an easy way out as well. And I'll ask you the question, this question. Are you the influencer or are you being influenced? Because if you're with that group of people and you're the first to the bar taking 17 shots, then I'd say that you're being influenced. If your language changes, if you're different towards the opposite sex, then you are being influenced. And what we have to do is this. First of all, we have to take those people from our inner circle into our outer circle because they don't have the influence there, you see. But also we have to withdraw completely from some of those settings for a season so that we can come back and be an influence down the line. You better believe that sometimes I go out with my football friends or work friends because I don't want to be completely cut off from them. I want to have an influence, yeah? I want to be an influence. But you better believe that when I'm out, I'm not there doing the shots. I'm not there getting out of my face drunk. I'm speaking the same language because I've built a strength in me, you see? I've built a strength so I can go and be an influence. Listen, we have to pull away for a period so that we can build strength, get the right people in that inner circle, and then we can go back and be an influence. Finally, on pruning our friendships, is the friendship healthy? Is it healthy? I speak to loads of people who are always falling out with the best friend. The, the here and the there. The best friend, again, has, has said something behind the back. The best friend, again, has, has hurt them. The best friend, again, has, has gossiped behind the back. Is the friendship healthy? Are you forever falling out? Are you forever, you know, untrusting? Are you forever not sure whether they've actually got your back? Because if it's not healthy, I'd suggest it needs pruning. See, we're not talking about casting people off here. We're talking about taking them from a position of influence to a position where they can't influence our lives as much. Do we understand that? So you you might say to me, Josh, this is really harsh. This is like really ruthless. And I, I do think it is a bit harsh and a bit ruthless. But what's the alternative? The alternative is this. You keep hanging around with those people who are taking you in the wrong direction and you forfeit what God's called you to in your life. Maybe you walk away from a marriage because I've seen people walk away from the marriage because they've been around people who've walked away from their marriages. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe it means that your character doesn't grow. Maybe it means that you don't reach all you can do in God. That is the alternative. So it might be harsh to have to prune some people and move some people to our outer circle, but the alternative is unthinkable in my mind. I don't want people in my inner circle who are going to hold me back. You know what? You've got an amazing, amazing life to live in God. He's got an amazing call on your life. Listen, don't let your friends pull you back. Don't let your friends hold you back. We need your calling. This world needs your calling calling your office needs your calling your family needs your calling those people around you need your calling arena church we need your calling we need people who are going to stand up and say i'm going to go after god and what he's called me to and listen if we want to do that we need to get people around us who are going to call us to that yeah we need your calling i don't want anybody getting to the end of their lives and lives and saying i didn't achieve all i could because i had the wrong people around me Let's do what we need to do. Let's prune our friendships. See, when we've pruned our friendships, there might be some room. There might also be some room because you've got no inner circle. You might be sat here this morning and say, Josh, actually, I've got no inner circle. I've definitely got no center circle. 
You've got no real close relationships. And if that's you, what you need to do is this. You need to expand your friendship circle. You need to expand it. And the question there is, because we all know that making friends is hard, yeah? Anyone? You know, it's, it's all, always that awkward thing at a park or something when you see kids and it's like this awkward, awkward thing of making friends. The questions are these. Where will I make friends and who with? Well, we have an amazing vehicle at Arena to make friends called small groups. Amazing vehicle. Not full of perfect people, but full of people who will love you, full of people who will call you to more, full of people who will be vulnerable with you, full of people who will open their homes and open their lives up to you. If you want to expand your friendship group, I'd encourage you, be the first person this morning to go and sign up for a small group. Get there. Get in a group. Get around some people. And also, I'd encourage you in expanding your friendship group, get around people who are better than you. My friends have made me more loving. They've made me more humble. They've made me wiser. They've made me follow Jesus better. They've made me more bold. They've made me be be a better dad, a better leader. Because I've been around people who are better than me. Get around some people who are better than you. You might sit in this place this morning. You might say, actually, yeah, I see a few people who I want want to, to talk to after this service. Be realistic as well, though, because Christian can't have anyone, everyone in his inner circle. You know, your inner circle can't really go much beyond 12, 13, 14 people. I can't have everyone in my inner circle. But maybe talk to a few people. Say hey to a few people. Get around some people. We expand our friendship circle. And then finally, what we need to do when we have the right people on board is we have to deepen our inner circle. Deepen our inner circle. If friendship is to know and be known, we have to be vulnerable. See, I've decided to share my life with those people closest to me because depth can only come when you make yourself vulnerable, when you share your life and you open up your life. That's when depth comes. That's when to know and be known becomes a real thing. Over the years, I've found it's really hard to become close to a cagey person. It's hard because you feel like you're always dealing in half-truths. You're always dealing with someone who's not quite showing you everything. If we want to deepen our friendships, if we want to deepen our inner circle, we have to be vulnerable. And this can be hard because it means bearing our soul. It means showing some of the rubbish in our lives, some of the bad stuff. And you know, people get into to a lot of problems when they start to be vulnerable with the 72. We're not talking about that. You don't want all your, your stuff out everywhere. This is why Facebook's so destructive at times because You've got 600 friends and all your rubbish is on your your wall with your 600 friends. That is not a good place to be. That's damaging. But get this inner circle, get this center circle and find some people who you can trust, who you can take your mask off in front of, who you can be real with. Cut the rubbish. Listen, you don't trick God. You might trick yourself for a while, you might trick people for a while, but cut the rubbish. Be open, be honest. When you've got people who love you and people who want the best for you, if you can be honest with them, then they can help you and call you to more. Be vulnerable. Secondly, it takes time and shared experience. Deep in our friendship takes time and shared experience. Rome wasn't built in a day and friendships aren't either. It takes weeks, it takes months, it takes years to build this inner circle and center circle takes time. It takes phone calls. It takes texts. It takes meetings. It takes dinners together. 
Something we love to do with our friends is, is go away on holiday or go out for the day. It takes time and shared experience. If you want to build a deep friendship, a deep relationship with someone, it's going to take time and it's going to take some shared experiences. Finally, in crisis, show up. A brother is born for a time of adversity. You know your friends, not by who's with you in the good time, not stood by you at the party. You know your friends by those who are stood with you when things aren't going well, when everything's crashing down, when you're struggling, when you're hurting. That's when you know your true friends. And listen, if you want to be a friend, if you want to go deep in your relationships, then show up in crisis. My friends know that if they're in crisis, that I will pretty much drop everything to be there and be with them and be there for them, to fight with them, to walk with them, to go through whatever they're going through with them. True friendship is to laugh and celebrate when good stuff happens, but to cry, as, cry with our friends when bad stuff happens as well. In crisis, show up. I've finished. But church, we were born for connection. We were born not to be isolated, but to be connected. To have people in our lives who love us, people in our lives who call the most out of us. This might be hard at times. It might be hard to prune our friendships. It might be hard to expand our friendship circle. But listen, friendship is worth it. It's worth it. We need it. Having those people around us who are going to call us to more, we need that. If you just bow your head and close your eyes for me, just for a second, just giving people the privacy. If you're in here this morning and you're not a Christian, you don't know God yet, you don't know Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'd ask you this morning, would you like to know this friend, this Jesus? He wants to know you. He wants to help you with your mess. He wants you to be open and honest and vulnerable with him. He wants to come into your life and give you a life like you've never lived before. Not a perfect life, but a life that's above and beyond. Go and read John 10. 10. But if you want to know Jesus this morning, if you want to start a relationship with him this morning, I just ask you to lift your hand. No one's looking around. If this is you this morning, chuck your hand up in the air now. Do you want to know Jesus? Thank you. Thanks. Put your hands down, guys. Thank you, Jesus. So God, thank you for these people who have responded to know you this morning, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. God, I pray they'd be open with you. I pray they'd be honest with you. God, I pray they'd bring the rubbish to you and say sorry for the stuff they've done wrong. But God, I pray they'd enter into this wide open space that you've called us to, this amazing relationship, this amazing journey that you've called us on. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us, but you raised so that we could know you, that we could be saved by you. We love you and we honour you, God. Amen.